Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. So uh, here we go. We are, we're about to, uh, we're about to do one of the most important things that have ever been done in human history. I'm just kidding. We're about to do the most important thing that we do here on a weekly basis, and that is we get together as a community. We do what we just did. We do the la, 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 la. We sing, right? We're sitting next to each other. And then but we go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't sing with you, next to you, if I don't know who you are. So we're like, nah, nah. And then we go, hey, I'm Sam, right? And so then we connect, and then we hand out Bibles, and then we come to the point in the message, the point in the gathering, where we open up, dude, that's a nice Bible. Can I see that? Dude, that's like thicker than Harry Potter. That's solid. I measure books by Harry Potter like length now. It's brand new? Dude, good for you. You got it for Christmas? Dude, that's awesome. Merry Christmas. Um, Bibles for everyone, from her parents. And so we open up our Bibles, and this is what we do. It's super simple, but super profound. We open it up, and we go, like we pick a passage. What? Is your Bible missing pages too? Dude, I'm like missing certain pages in my Bible. Yeah, Philippians. Good thing I memorized it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what we do is we, we open up our Bibles, we pick a passage, and then we do something crazy here. Like, sh- sh- you may have never done this before. You may have never seen this done. Do try this at home. It's actually great. Um, but we grab like a, a small little passage of scripture, and then we like explain it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ever be somewhere and somebody's like, hey, listen to me, man. Like, somewhere in the Bible, it says that, like, we're to be good. So, like, listen to the Bible. You ever, like, <laughs> dude, I love watching, like, TV shows of, like, these passionate teenage soap operas. And they're like, listen, the Bible says somewhere that, like, we're to love each other. It's like, where is that? And so we're here as a community not to just be like, yo, here's what I think, and maybe I'll throw a couple Bible verses at it so it sounds legit. Like, we're gonna open it up for ourselves, and we're gonna see, like, what does it actually say? And so the passage of Scripture that we're, whose Bible is this? Who did I steal it from? Thou sh- somewhere in the Bible, it says, thou shalt not steal? Unless it's a Bible? There you go. Um, and so the passage of Scripture that we're opening up over the next few weeks is called the Sermon on the Mount. Yo, this series could have been called The Goat, all right? I was tempted. Because this is the greatest sermon of all time. But then it would have been the Gzot. Because it's the greatest sermon of all time. So like Gzot didn't work as well as Goat. So instead, what we're talking about here for the next few weeks, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, is a tale of two kingdoms. A tale of two kingdoms. And so this is what happens, right? We come to citizens. We come to church, we go to a camp, and we hear a message that is life-altering. We hear a message that there's another kingdom. We hear this dude named Jesus Christ, and he comes onto the scene, and he starts telling people how they can live with God, how they can live in his kingdom, and then he tops it off, and he goes, oh wait, by the way, I'm the king, so if you want to live in in God's kingdom, you follow me. And so here we are, we're a community of students who have responded to the king, and we say, I'm in. I'm in. I want to live for this king. I want to live for Jesus. The Bible says, somewhere in the Bible? No, I'm actually going to tell you, okay? 
Some, like we learn in the Bible that there's this, there's this split now, right? So we want to live in the kingdom of God, right? F- Paul says it this way. Our citizen, our citizen, flick of the wrist, flick of the tongue. Our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we begin to follow Jesus, this is more than just changing our Facebook status, right? You're like, I used to be atheist, but now I affiliate as Christian. Like this is more than just like checking off a box on your, on your driver's license. This is saying, I am now a citizen of a brand new kingdom. And so we're here because we're learning what do citizens of the kingdom of God live like? You wanna follow the king, what does the king reward? What does he celebrate? What are his values? And so all of you that are following Jesus, you are living as citizens. Wait a minute, that's the name of the youth group. Aha! I thought it was just a catchy, edgy youth group name. No, it's from the Bible. Somewhere in the Bible. No, right? Philippians 3.20. We want to live as citizens of heaven, citizens of God's kingdom. But every single one of you, I don't care if you're in public school, private school, probably especially private school, if we're being honest. I don't care if you're homeschool, public school, whatever it is, you are all caught in this dilemma that I call a tale of two kingdoms. And so you're trying to live as a citizen of heaven. You're trying to live as a citizen of God's kingdom, but everywhere you look, you are surrounded by the kingdom of this world. And so you listen to music and people are singing about how things work in this kingdom. You watch TV shows about people who are living in this kingdom. You notice the red and the blue here, right? It's subtle, but working with it, okay? You're listening to songs, you're watching movies. You go to school. Some of you have close friends. Some of you have family members who are living in this kingdom. And so the question becomes, how do I live as a citizen of God's kingdom when I'm surrounded by the kingdom of this world? What do you do? Sam, you just don't get it, man. You don't know what it's like to be a high schooler this day. I'm trying to live for Jesus. I'm trying to be a citizen of heaven. I'm trying to follow the king, but everywhere I look, I'm surrounded by the kingdom of this world. What do you do when you're trying to live as a citizen of heaven, but you're surrounded by citizens of this world? And students, I want to tell you today that when you find yourself in this dilemma I love camp. I just, I'm surrounded by all my Jesus-loving friends. But then I have to go back to school. School's hell, all right? Like, what do you do when you find yourself in that dilemma? And I'm here to tell you tonight, guys, that you have options. You have options. We got options. Here we go. I have some options for you, okay? And so here's what we can do. This is the first option. When you find yourself in this dilemma, when you find yourself surrounded by these other influences, first option you have, you can run and hide. Run and hide. You go, Sam, I don't want to live surrounded by those bad influences. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run and I'm going to form my own little Christian club over here, right? And now we're safe. We're safe and we no longer have to worry about the temptations and the evil influences of the world because we ran away. And we're doing our own thing here. And so you can run and hide. Here's another option, right? Another option, you come over here and you put on your cool little camo hat and you say, you know what, Sam? I'm just gonna blend in. 
I mean, like, dude, have you tried to live for the citizen of God, as a citizen of God? It's just like, dude, it is so hard. I mean, let's be real. It is so not cool. And so what I do is I just try to blend in. And I just want my friends to know that like, we're not really that different. We're just like you. But the problem is if you're paying attention, the, 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 the kingdom of God actually is pretty different. When you're living as a citizen of God's kingdom with Jesus as your king, you're blown away by how countercultural this kingdom is. You're blown away. It's almost as if God, when he set up his kingdom, it was like an exact opposite. Everything was an exact reversal of the way that you know things go. But it's an option. You can blend in. You don't have to be any different. You can show all of the other citizens of this world that you're just like them. But the only problem with that is that you're not. And then we come to our final option, which we'll see in our text today. The final option is that you can influence. You don't need to run and avoid the culture. You don't need to run away and avoid that kingdom. You definitely don't wanna blend in and just lose your identity. But what we learn today from the words of Christ is that you can influence it. You can be an intentional presence in the midst of that kingdom. You're not of it, but you're in the midst of it. And everything is different because you're there. You're there to engage the people, to engage the culture, and ultimately to influence it. And so as we read our text here for the next few moments, we're gonna look at our options. Everybody say options. options. Let's do it. Starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? How many people like saltless salt? Exactly, right? You're like, I got this new diet. It's like salt with no salt. And you're like, I hate you. Okay. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. The first thing we see here is that citizens of God's kingdom season a tasteless world. Citizens, you, Christians, Jesus followers, citizens of God's kingdom season a tasteless world. And students, let me tell you, that is exactly what this world is. It's tasteless. It's tired, it's cliche, and it's failing. Everything about this kingdom, you're like, what is happening here? I feel like I've been here before. How many of you guys like binge, binge watch shows? How, or, I'm sorry, how many of you just, you have a show? Nobody's gonna admit that they binge, right? You're like, I've seen it once or twice, three times over, right? Anybody, you have a good show. All right, hands high, hands high. What, what show, give me a show, call them out. Call them out, what, is your, what are your shows? The Vampire Diaries. All right, don't call them out. Don't call them out, stop, all right? Vampires and zombies, I never will get it. I just don't get it, all right? I just, I, dude, somebody told me they watched The Walking Dead once, and they go, you know what? I made fun of it at first too, but the character development is phenomenal. And I was like, they're dead. How do you develop the characters when they're dead? But just like his dead life was so much more mature. I'm like, shut up, all right? So, dude, I'll give you mine. My show that I'm on over the last, you know, several months slash days, um, I watched four seasons of Prison Break, all right? Dude, like, so, so maybe you can relate. You have a show, right? They all die. Uh, you have a show. I'm just kidding. You have a show, and dude, the first season blew your mind, right? It was awesome. Second season, you were like, that's pretty solid. 
third season comes around and you're just like, I feel like I've been here before. Like, I, like, how many times can you break out of prison when the name of the show is Prison Break? You know what I mean? Like, what is happening here? Friends, that endless rerun where you're just like, I feel like I've seen this before. It's the same thing over and over. This is what the world is like. It's just a cycle of sin that goes over and over. And you watch the movies and you listen to the music and you read the books and you do all these things and you feel like, it's the same deal, different day, right? You listen to the culture of this world. You listen to the music and the anthems and students like, don't you get tired of it? Like, how many times are we gonna talk about the immorality in our music? How, like, how often can, can rappers talk about sexual immorality? How often can movies flaunt their arrogance and their pride? How often are we gonna get our jollies off of drama and pettiness and cadence? And it's like, this is tiring. Give me a break already. The world is tasteless. You think about, uh, <laughs> somebody, how many of you can pack your own lunch? Pack your own lunch. For those of you, come on, who does not pack your own lunch? I'm talking to you right now, all four of you. Okay, well maybe you pack your own lunch because you know this. Like imagine you go to the cafeteria every day, all right? No, 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 you know what? Let's bring it closer to home. Imagine you go home every day, all right? And your mom, every day for dinner, five o'clock sharp, opens up the oven, pulls out a fat chicken breast that she baked for the last 45 minutes. No seasoning, nothing on it. She puts that on your plate. And you do that on Monday. You also do that on Tuesday. And guess what we're having for dinner, Johnny, on Wednesday? Baked chicken. And then Thursday rolls around, five o'clock. Baked chicken, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Next week, reruns, baked chicken. Like imagine, every day you have this fat piece of bland chicken. And you eat it. You eat it every single day. Every day that your mom plops it on your plate, you eat it because you don't know any better. Because there are no other options. You eat it because you go, this is just the way things are. Every, doesn't everybody have bland chicken at five o'clock for dinner? This is the kind of world that we're surrounded by, students. It's this kingdom of same old, same old, tired, cliche, bland living. But what Jesus says, he sends his followers into the world, into this tired, cliched mess as salt in a bland world. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. And imagine you're having that same piece of chicken every day at five o'clock, but this day, your mom's did something different. She was like, I saw this new thing on the YouTube. It's called salt. <laughs> and she put salt on your chicken. And when that salt hits your taste buds, it's like nothing before that moment actually existed, right? There's just a spark. There's something refreshing because it's different. And when you eat it with salt, you realize there's another way of doing things. Mom, the whole time, the whole time, there's another way. You don't have to do it this way all the time. There's another way of living. There's another way of tasting. That's what the presence of salt does. And so God sends his followers into the world as salt. Because when your life, when your presence interacts with this bland world, there's a spark. 
And there's something exciting about the way that you live. There's something refreshing about your lifestyle because it's as if your whole life is screaming to these people, there's another way of doing things. And when you experience it, it is infinitely better. And the taste of your life will make it seem like nothing before this moment was actually living. It's salt. The citizens of God's kingdom season a tasteless world. The flavor that Jesus followers, the flavor that you bring to this life, to this world, the presence and the lifestyle of this kingdom, friends, it's like salt and it's something different. There's another way of doing things. Students, as you read these words, does your life taste like salt? <laughs> You're like, oh, he's salty. Different kind of salt, okay? Does your life taste like salt? Like when you interact with other people, like, like when your friends come over to your house or they see the way you handle your social media or they see the way you talk to other people who you don't even know and people who are lower on the hierarchy of social whatever, right? Dude, like, do they look at your life and they go, wow, that's different. That, that's not the way things usually work around here. There's another way of doing things. And as a matter of fact, when I see that other way, I want it. I want it. You know what struck me as I read this passage? Because I was getting ready to come up here and I, I thought like, dude, this is the fun thing about like reading your Bible. You go into a passage and you go, Psh, I know what that one means. I've read that a million times. I'm just gonna stand up there and be like, be salt. Students, say it with me, everybody. Be salt. It's gonna be the easiest message of my life. I'm just gonna like keep telling them to be salt, right? Nowhere in this passage does it command you to be salt. <laughs> right? Dude, let's, can we look at it? Look at it together. Nowhere in your life does it, in the text does it say that. It doesn't say be the salt of the earth. What does it say? It says you are. You are the salt of the earth. God, Jesus already chose you as his community to be salt. You don't get to choose whether or not you're being salt. The choice is not to be salt or not to be salt. The choice is this, to be useful salt or useless salt. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's no opt out. You don't say, you know what? I'm just gonna like be like the non-voter. I prefer to follow Jesus, but not really be of any influence. No, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are by nature salt. The question is, will you be useful salt or useless salt? And look how you become useless salt. It says, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Salt becomes useless if it blends in. Salt, you wanna be useless salt? Here's the easiest way to make salt useless. Make it blend in. Students, salt only makes a difference because it's different, okay? Salt only makes a difference because it doesn't blend in, because it doesn't taste like the thing that it's getting put on. Hey, I'm gonna give you this new salt for your bland chicken. Oh yeah, what kind of salt it is? It's the kind of salt that tastes like bland chicken. It's phenomenal. Wait, you can't have salt that tastes like the thing you're putting it on. If salt blends in, if it loses its saltiness, the thing that makes it different, it's no longer good for anything. And so Jesus says, if you're not gonna be salty salt, 
you might as well not even put it on your plate. Just throw it on the ground and use it for some extra gravel. That's all it's really good for. Students, if you want to make a difference, you need to be different. That's what he's saying. When your friends look at your life, are you just blending in? Is it literally just the same thing as they're doing, except you add a little Jesus to it and maybe you have a cross on your Facebook? The choice is not whether or not you get to be salt. The choice is whether you will be useful salt or useless salt. And so we, become, we can become useless salt or we can be useful salt. Here's another way, besides salt, here's another way that we influence our world, right? We're not running away. We don't wanna run from them. We don't wanna blend in from it. So here's another way to influence it. Look at verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. The second thing we see is this, check it out. Citizens of God's kingdom illuminate a dark world, excuse me. Citizens of God's kingdom illuminate a dark world. Jesus says that you're the light, right? You are the light, which means without it, what is this world? It's darkness. Dude, when you read the Bible, one of the cool things about reading the Bible all the way through and not just like, all right, dude, <laughs> I used to read the Bible like this. God, I know that like, I really don't have time for more than one verse, but Lord, you just know my heart. And so I'm just gonna like, just speak to me, Lord, right? Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is one who gives false testimony against the neighbor. Thank you, Lord. That was just my word. I'll see you next week. You know what I mean? I just lost your spot, didn't I? Good thing you memorized the books of the Bible in order, right? Good job, Ashley. And so like the cool thing about reading the Bible, not just like randomly, but like reading it together, you start to see certain themes, right? You start to see certain patterns. And so one of the patterns that we see in scripture is this metaphor that's used over and over of darkness and light, okay? And so darkness, I think we get this pretty intuitively, right? You're like, darkness is good. No, we, we get this pretty intuitively. Darkness is a metaphor for, thing, for, for sin, for evil. And therefore, it's also a metaphor for the secrecy that surrounds those things. When you're living in the dark, that means you are living a lifestyle that, let's just say, I rather keep the lights off for this one. I rather not let people see what's going on here. That is what darkness is. But when you turn on the lights, the other side of that is what? It's the realm of purity and goodness and righteousness. And so in this kind of lifestyle, I embrace transparency and confession because I've determined I'm not going to hide anything. This is light. And so when God says, when Jesus says that this world is darkness, he's saying that this world, they breathe sin. This is a world that is steeped in sin and evil but I thought the world was kind of a good place. Let students, on the whole, overall, this, the kingdom of the world is characterized by sin, by darkness. And so that's why Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Because just like a light shining in the midst of darkness, that's what your life is like. The world would be a lot darker if it wasn't for the presence of Jesus' church. Because you are light. And so in the same way of turning on a light when the room was completely pitch black, 
That's what happens in a spiritual sense when you walk into a room. And your lifestyle, your presence is like a light that shines and exposes things. And you know what light exposes when you turn on the dark in this world? Everything. It exposes people's sin. And so now people, like imagine a room of people living in complete darkness and they're stumbling. They don't know which way is forward. They don't know which way is backward. They just, they're stumbling over themselves and they're groping for something. And as soon as the light comes on, it reveals to them how wrong they were. They weren't even close to the door. So it exposes that. But light also, it, it doesn't just condemn, right? It doesn't just show them, look how bad you are. Turn the lights on. No, it says, look at the way. Let me show you where the door is. And so that's what our presence is like when Christians, when Jesus followers are living in the midst of the world, influencing them, they're like a light. They're like a light shining everywhere they go. And so that shows people, just like salt, there's another way. Light also shows people, hey, you're going the wrong way. There's another way. And it's over here. Jesus doesn't command us to be lights, right? Just like I said before, he said, you are the light. Students, there's no opt-out clause, all right? The choice is not whether or not you will be a light in your school. All of you, if you're a Christian, you are a light in your school. The question is not whether or not you're a light. The question is this, will you be a useful light or a useless light? And here's how you become a useless light. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Did you ever see the Portland lights driving up on Prune Hill? You guys ever drive up Camas, Prune Hill, and you stop there and you turn around, and you're like, how romantic, right? And your mom's like, keep your head forward, right? And you're looking out at the lights, and you're like, that's beautiful. Like no plane is going to crash into Portland. I didn't see it, officer. I had no idea it was there. You can't hide it. It's illuminating for all to see, and it's beautiful. You can't hide it, nor should you. You don't put on a lamp and be like, oh, put the cover it, cover it, so nobody sees the... No, the point of light is to illuminate. And in the same way, students, you are light, so why would you run and hide? God chose you sovereignly as his community to go and shine light in the darkness. And when we go and run and hide, that's like lighting a lamp and then covering it so nobody can see it. Are you a useful light or a useless light? Hiding isn't an option, students. We need to engage culture. We need to shine truth in a world of lies. That's what we're aiming for here as a community. We don't want to, like, dude, citizens, dude, the day it becomes this, I'm out. Like, legitimately, I will quit. It's just over, because it's just, that's not who we are. That's not what we're meant to be. The day that we become a Christian club where we could all just run away to a gym and hide on Wednesdays, and then what, we, what do we do? Like, if you're legitimately trying to hide, the per, here's what happens. The day that the person that you're hiding from walks into the room, what do you do? <laughs> Get out! I was hiding from you! You worldly evildoer! Right? Like, that, like, if your mentality, like, if you think citizens is a place where you can come and just hide from the world, you're going to be very uncomfortable because we're a place where anybody's welcome. We're a place where Christians and followers of Jesus are always bringing other friends and always bringing people who don't know Jesus. Why? Because they need Jesus, right? 
Jesus didn't come to earth for the people who thought they had it all together. He came for those who knew they needed stuff, right? Why are you here? You're sick. This is a doctor's office. Come again? And so students, that's not who we're meant to be. We're not meant to run and hide. No more than light is meant to be hidden. And so we're shining as lights in the darkness. But look what happens. Citizens, if we influence the world as salt and light, look what happens. Look at the motivation here. Are you ready? Last verse. Check it out. Light becomes useless if it's hidden. There it is. Okay. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There's a lot of different motives for influencing our world. Do you understand that? Like there are people that aren't even Christians and they're like, I just want to shine the light. I just want to influence people. I want to love people. I just want to make the world a better place. Right? And they're always from the South because they're just stupid nice. Right? You're like, you're not really that happy. Stop it. I'm sorry. You're from the South. But it's true. You actually proved my point. Right? I love you. You don't know me. Right? Like, like all the people who grew up in the Northeast, like New York and New England, they go to the South and they're just super uncomfortable. They're like checking their wallets every five seconds. They're like, dude, there's, they're on to something. What do they know that I don't know? Anyway, all right, so the person is from the South. I just love the world. I just want to be a nice person. There's a lot of motivations to be a nice person. There's a lot of motivations to be an influencer. There's a lot of motivations to sit next to the kid in class that nobody talks to. There's a lot of motivations to go and give your hard-earned cash to the poor. There's a lot of motivations. A few of these. Image, right? Have you ever heard the axiom? And this is like philosophers all over the world right now are contemplating this question. If I feed a poor man and do not put it on Instagram, did it really happen? <laughs> like, it's, like literally, it broke, it, nobody knows the answer, right? Like, if I do something nice, but I don't post it on Instagram, did it really happen? Like, does that really count? And dude, there's so much motivation to do nice things and to influence people because it makes us look good. Other people, they're motivated by this desire to make up for any wrongs. I had a friend in high school once who said, dude, I wanna like travel the world on a boat and do like one of those missions things. I was like, what's your mission? You're not a Christian. Well, I just do, I know I'm pretty messed up and I've done a lot of bad things, but like, so I gotta kinda like pay it up, you know? It's my way of not paying it forward, but paying it back. I'm like, you're gonna be doing that for a long time, my friend, because I know you and uh, (laughs) you're you're not gonna satisfy that in one year. But that's motivation. Other people, they're motivated to feel better about themselves, you know? I just like, I kind of sometimes, I have self-pity, but when I go to Africa and I see little children that don't have anything, it reminds me, I'm not that bad. I'm like, you evil dude, like what? What a bad motivation to go on a missions trip, right? To feel better about yourself and to see, you know what? I'm actually pretty, pretty wealthy. And then last but not least, there are some people, I'll be honest, that do it for love. There's just people that say, you know what? I just genuinely care about people. I'm empathetic and I'm compassionate. And so I have friends that don't know Jesus that do it out of love. So those are all different motivations, but none of those are our motivation. (gasps) What about love, Sam? Not even that. Not even. Look at our primary motivation of why we shine as lights. Let your light shine before others so that, everybody say so that. So that's like my favorite phrase in scripture. I feel like every time I see so that, I'm like, yes, an easy answer. Because you just read what's next. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Our light draws the focus to God. 
Our motivation for influencing people is not to draw attention to me. I don't want people to think I'm awesome. I don't want people to see how much of a light I am. I don't want people to look at me and go, what a great guy. I like him, right? All the dudes, when you go to those, like, you know, Bridgetown ministries, and it's like all the 22-year-olds that are like feeding the homeless, one eye over their shoulder, you know, did you see me? <laughs> like, dude, our motivation is not us. Our motivation is to do things in such a way that people, our friends, will see the goodness of God and they will see the goodness of his ways. Friends, when we are salt and light, when we're salt, we're showing people, dude, there's another way and it's infinitely better. When we're light, we're showing people there's another way and it's infinitely better. When we are salt and light, other people will see how good God really is, how good his ways really are. And that is our motivation. Our light draws the focus to God. Imagine you go to a concert, or maybe we'll call it a magic show, whatever it is, right? And you, and you see the stage and all the lights turn off. And now all of a sudden it's like, zoom, and the spotlight comes on. And this lady's about to climb this rope. Uh, she's, she's gonna tie an epic knot, right? Whatever she is. But what do you, what do you see in this picture? What, what do you, what do you think's happening here? What do you see? What do you see in this picture? A rope? What else? Feet. Feet? Yeah, she's... Uh, Grounds, right? You see hands. She's maybe missing a finger, but she's doing something. When you go to this show, when you go to this magic show, we'll call it, you know what you don't do? You don't sit in the seat and you go, oh, look at that spotlight. Is that the GX3000? Oh my gosh, so classy. Is that, what is the circumference radius on that bad boy? You think it could reach the moon? Like nobody's looking at the spotlight, right? Nobody's admiring the spotlight because the point of light is not to draw attention to itself. It's to glorify and illuminate something else. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You don't have an option to not be. I'm calling, this is who you are. By the nature of saving you, I've made you the light. And here's what your light will shine. It will shine on my goodness. And it will show the world something that is not you, something that is infinitely better than you. And so we learn that your faith is not about you. I just gotta represent well so that people know that I'm real, a real Christian. No, students, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. It's so that people will give glory you can define it this way, positive attention. Because that spotlight was doing its job, all eyes were able to focus on more clearly that lady and her trick. And in the same way, when we're living as salt and light, people will give glory to God. Well, that means they're gonna sing praises? Like if I walk into a homeroom and do something nice, are they just gonna be like, glory to God in heaven on high? No, but they'll notice it. And if they know who you are, they will attribute, they will have positive attention to go, man, that is good. And God is glorified in that. Can this be your friends? Look what it says. Let's look at it again. One more. Let your light shine before others. Well, hypothetically speaking, if we like, you know, influence the culture around us, if we, you know, if we influence the kingdom of this world, others will glorify God. But friends, I wonder, can these others, can they be your friends? Like, do you ever think like that? 
Can your friends who don't know Jesus, I want you to picture a friend right now who is the furthest that you could even imagine from being a Christian. They're like opposite of Christian. They're anti-Christian, <laughs> right? Like imagine those friends, right? Like in your heart, when you're being honest, do you honestly think that there's a chance that they could one day glorify your father in heaven? Like, do you honestly think there's a chance that one day they could be sitting here next to you singing these songs saying, Jesus, we adore you. Oh, how we love you. You're the one our hearts long for. Like, could they, re can't really be them? How many of you wouldn't be in this room if it wasn't for someone else? Right? How many of you grew up in church your whole life? You grew up as a Christian. Raise them high. Let me see it. Cool. Did your parent, right? Keep your hand high if your parents grew up in church their whole life. Grandparents? Great-grandparents? Okay. Um, yeah, I don't even know my great-grandparents' name. Isn't that sad? Like, dude, for real now, right? Like, my great-grandchild may not even know my name one day. Like, I don't know anything past my grandmother. It's kind of sad. Vanity. It's all vanity. Read Ecclesiastes. You'll feel better. But anyway, right? Like, somewhere in your family tree, the gospel was introduced. Somewhere in your family tree, someone was useful salt and light. And because of it, you are now part of the others. You are now one of the others that are giving glory to their Father in heaven. Could that be your friends? Do you ever think about what role you could play in that? I think we should, students. I think we should take a long and hard look at our interaction with our friends. And you know what, students? Here's what happens, okay? Here's what happens. I know what happens. Sam, I'm scared. Like, you just don't understand, man. Like, Dude, I have to run and hide. Citizens has to be my running place because like, I don't want to fall back into temptation. All right, anybody there? Like, dude, I can't just go and influence the kingdom of this world because like, I'm going to get brought down. Well, here's what we do. First of all, we use wisdom, okay? If you're a recovering addict, you're not going to go and minister and influence people at the drop-off point. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you know, that's like adults. Like, if you know, man, I used to be an alcoholic, but now I need to go influence them, and I'm not really over it, so I'll go to the bar. Bad idea, okay? Use wisdom. Use wisdom. But here's the other part that you realize when you look at this text of why you don't need to fear. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. The you is not talking about you. He's not talking about you. You're the salt. I'm the salt. No, not you. He's not talking to you, Chelsea. He's not talking to you, Austin. He's talking to you. He's talking to y'all, right? In the South. Did I get that right? Y'all. He's talking about you guys. This is plural. Friends, you are not a grain of salt of the earth, right? You're like, I'm a salt, and I'm going to put my little salty flake on the word. Like, no. You don't influence the salt. Does salt really sound like that? I'm sorry. In my head it does, right? I'm the salt. But you, like, he's not saying that you are a little speck of salt that will, that will season the earth. He's saying, y'all, you are salt together collectively, and this room is the salt shaker. He's not saying that you are the light. You're not this little gleam. I'm a star. I'm a little gleam of light. No, you collectively are a beam of brilliant radiance. God's community, his church in the world. And so students, you want to be on mission? You want to engage your school? You want to engage your friends and influence the culture? Be on mission together. 
Sam, man, if I go back to my football friends and try to influence them, before I know it, I'm going to be out partying with them. And I don't, I don't want to get dragged down. Bring them here. Do it with your friends here. Invite your friends to your small group. Invite your friends to, to game day. Invite your friends to camp. We started this crazy thing this year just because God blessed us financially. If you have a friend who does not know Jesus and you want them to come to camp, you can apply with Michelle. She's my assistant. You literally go and you write your name down and your friend's name and why you want to give it to them. And we will give you a gift card worth the full registration of camp. And you can then go to your friend and be like, hey, listen, dude, like, I'm just throwing this out there, but I was given one free gift card for camp and I choose to take you. You want to come? That's called influencing your world for Jesus, right? That's called being on mission and engaging. All of your friends who don't know Jesus, you could go hide while they perish. <laughs> or you can grab a Camp On Me card, you can grab your friends, you can grab your small group, and you can go and influence them, friends, because living for God's kingdom gives glory to the king. Living for God's kingdom, living as a citizen of heaven, when you live for God's kingdom, you give glory to the king. And this is what Jesus did, friends. Like, we're learning to live for Jesus. So let's think about it. Jesus, he didn't stay in heaven. He could have hid. Father, that world is going to hell in a handbasket, quite literally, in the palm of your hand. So I think I'll hide here and wait it out. He didn't hide, friends. He came to earth. But listen, when he came to earth, he didn't blend in. Jesus didn't put on the hat and go, I'm just like you guys. What, I can walk on water, but it's not that big of a deal. No, he was straight up about how countercultural living in the kingdom is. He says, I love you, but you're a fool if you think that. <gasps> how can you say that if you love us? Because I love you. He didn't blend in. Jesus, he influenced the people around him. He was the first one to sit down with a group of sinners, the worst sinners. He was the first one to hang out with the prostitute when no one else wanted to hang out with the prostitute. He was the first one to invite over to dinner the crooked tax collectors when nobody else would do that. Why? Because he knew that when you live for God's kingdom, you draw attention to the king. You bring glory to him. And people who didn't know him, people that lived in a tasteless, dark world would come to know the king. Living for God's kingdom gives glory to the king. When we are living collectively for God's kingdom, we give glory to the king. And so here's my prayers. We respond. Here's how I want us to pray together, okay? I want us to pray that this room, that this community of people would be more than just a fun play group, okay? If that's you, if you're here and you're like, dude, I just want a fun play group, sorry, you're still welcome here, all right? Come, because you need Jesus. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, all right? You're welcome here. But I want us to be more than that. I want us to be a place where people who do not know Jesus continually meet him. I want this to be a place where your friends are constantly and consistently coming and, there's, and this is becoming synonymous with a place where people surrender their lives to the pursuit of the king. Because students, Jesus is pursuing your friends. The kid that you're sitting next to in math class that nobody like, likes, maybe you're sitting next to him for a reason. Maybe it's because Jesus is pursuing them and he's doing it by using his salt. Let this be a community, friends, where our lifestyles, where your social media accounts, where your words, your techniques, everything that you do, where all of it is just so different 
that when people see us, they go, that God is so good and his ways are so good.